listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Unscripted, the film show. Uh, I am Cecilia. Uh, There is actually someone else here in the studio with me. I've got uh, Rachel who's run down to her car because she's left her lights on. Uh, So she'll be back up in a moment. And then her son Bryce is here. So a couple of people in the studio. Lewis is off at a uh, a work thing, which is quite vague, uh, a work thing thing. Uh, But we actually have a packed show, uh, six films, which is one of the busiest shows that we've had in a very long time. So uh, we've got uh, Finding You, Fatal, Bacelli, The Man in the Hat, Spiral, Those Who Wish Me Dead, jam-packed show and Rachel's back. That was quick. It's a false alarm. My lights are not on. The camera makes it look like they're on. That's hilarious because it's shining. Yes, I see now. It looks like they're on, but it's shining into your um, backlights, which yeah. is making it look like they're on. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never done that before. You poor thing. A little beepy noise. So now I'm like <sighs> out of breath from running. I was going to say, that was down. very, very quick. And it's Botticelli. Botticelli. I do apologise. Uh, thank you. Botticelli. You are the resident art uh, <laughs> person here uh botticelli botticelli that's botticelli. right botticelli botticelli what did i say Bocelli. yeah yeah um but yes he's italian from florence actually yes so yes. um i'll be talking about that later today and that's where i went wrong because alan recommended that tv show to me vincenzo ah. it's a vincenzo and i think i was saying vin Senzo or something? Like, I must ah. have said it wrong the first week. If it's Italian and it's a C, it's... it's Chen. Ch- like it has... Well, Arda's just left Well, the building, it's interesting so because the- um, Italian people always say to me, if I'm Italian, because apparently Cecilia is quite a common name, but they say Cecilia. 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 So it must make a... Ch- and uh, my name's spelt the Italian way as well, so technically it's Rachele. Rachele. So my great-great-grandmother's middle name was Cecilia and oh. her father was Italian. Oh. So, um, yeah. Interesting. Okay, yes, because I, I did make a promise to Alan that I would watch this TV show uh, and I do apologise. I did watch a episode and the reason I only got one episode in is because they're, hour, they're an hour and a half each. Whoa. Uh, and there's 20 of them. So what? That's um, too much of we a commitment. All know I would have just said no. About my commitment issues. But look, from what I've watched, it was quite interesting. It had a bit of a James Bond type opening sequence. Is it Italian? It's, no, so basically it's a Korean TV show, okay. but um, Vincenzo was adopted by the head of a mafia uh, person named Don Fabio in Italy. So it opens in Italy and he is kind of this advisor to uh, this Italian mafia and things go a bit sour and he returns back to Korea. So, yeah, interesting. I didn't mind this. Uh, but yeah, an hour and a half at like twenty episodes. It's too much for commitment. commitment. But uh, interestingly, it's the ninth highest rated drama in uh, Korean cable television history. Oh. So m- people must be loving it. 
Well, it does sound really interesting, mm. I must admit. Yeah. But I don't know that I could commit to an hour and a half. Half yeah. an hour is, is where I'm at at the moment oh. with TV series. Agreed. Um, uh, yeah. And then like like sex. Si- sex? Six. <laughs> I thought you were going to say sex in the city. I was like, oh, cool. No, I've just spent too much time with New Zealanders at work. Um, six to ten episodes. Yeah. Pushing it to 13 at max. But, yeah, mm. that's, that's an where hour and my a half happy place. is film length. Yeah. That's like watching 20 films. Yeah, yeah. That's and fair. I watched three films this week. We did and well, you both watched, of us. We, we did. did. Really I well. can't believe we've got six movies to talk about. Massive should show. We, should we just uh, jump right into it? I think we should just bypass anything else and just jump straight in. I think so. It's a pretty big show. And I imagine you, you mentioned that Lewis is at a work gig, so that's why he's not here. I don't even yeah, know why he's I not here, I said a work actually. thing, which I said was pretty vague. Um, work thing. Work thing. What does that actually entail? What does that mean? I don't know. I hope it entails a couple of drinks anyway. Yeah, not a boring meeting. And he's enjoying that's himself. Being done after hours. Yeah. yeah, that would be that would suck. It would. So um, I received a screener for Finding You. So I'm just going to run through this film for you. Uh, violinist Finlay Sinclair, played by Rose Reed, travels to a small Irish village uh, on a study abroad program. Um, she's just kind of, she's auditioned for a New York music con- Con, I can never say that word, conservatory, um, and it didn't go so well. So her mum's like, let's let's send you off to, to Ireland for this study abroad program. Her brother did it um, four years previous and he just loved it. So it, it starts out very quickly and that's it. She's on the plane. Um, on the flight over, she gets bumped up to first class and is seated next to actor slash heartthrob Beckett Rush. Uh, he's played by Jedediah Goodacre of uh, Disney Descendants fame. I've not seen him before this, um, but when I had a look at his stuff, he's, he's done like a whole bunch of that Disney kind of thing. Ah, yes. So, yeah. Um, Beckett is heading to Ireland to film the fourth in his... Uh, Game of Thrones for teens type movie series. So he's on his fourth one Um, and they kind of get off on the wrong foot. So uh, it it is a bit awkward because he ends up staying at the B&B um, of the host family, that her particular host family. So her host family is the same host family who hosted her f- brother four years previous. Ah. So then there's another storyline that sort of goes through with her finding her brother's old journal and doing this drawing of this Celtic cross. And Finley kind of wants to find where this cross is. She becomes a little bit obsessed with that. So that's one side story going on. But the main one, um, so... Because these two have got off on the wrong foot, it is your traditional like love-hate dance, that that very familiar and well-tread kind of thing that you see quite a lot. Um, But Beckett is – because Finley's quite uptight and he wants to kind of break her out of her shell a bit. So he introduces her to the local pub's fiddler, so the guy who plays the fiddle, like traditional proper Italian fiddle in this little band and figures that he can teach her a thing or two about loosening up and maybe, you know, um, putting some heart into her violin playing. So hopefully when she goes back she can, um, you know, get the audition down pat and get into the conservatory. So that's what he's trying to do for her. Um and Beckett asks her one day to run through lines with him and so 
she starts doing that and they quite they start hanging out quite a lot and she learns that he's not really happy with his his teen idol image that he has he'd rather sort of He'd rather go to college, you know, he's kind of over it. It was never really his passion. His dad is his manager and he's really, he used to be an actor as well. So he's kind of pushing him into the job and saying, you know, this is, this, whatever, I can't remember what the show, the movies are called, but this Game of Thrones for teens, you know, movie series is making him a lot of money and he's pushing him to sign another contract to do another four movies or something like that. Um but it's really not what he wants to do. So, um, yeah, Finley's trying to get him to be a bit brave and kind of say, nah, Dad, I don't want to do that. So the film is based on a 2011 young adult novel called uh, There You'll Find Me by Jenny B. Jones. And this is your typical teen romance film, which is very much directed at a young female audience. It's very cliche, it's predictable, um, but at its heart, it's it's quite a, it's quite sweet. And I found myself kind of hopelessly drawn into the film and the characters. I initially um, sort of thought I was going to watch this movie while I was doing my puzzle and have it in the background. But it was another one of those movies that I kind of got sucked into. And <laughs> um, I just have to apologise for anyone can hear... That. They may or may not be able to hear that. I've brought my son into the studio. Uh, his dad was running late this afternoon. I did work. introduce Bryce as, oh, a, as a guest host that might make a slight appearance or See. a slight uh, appearance, that's not the right word, but might. Um, he's sitting in his, his chair with his headphones on uh, watching something. So occasionally he's uh, he'll doing some research over in the corner, right. watching some stuff and letting us know if it's good or bad. Right. Is that what he's doing? I think so. Um, he's probably melting his brain with terrible YouTube. But anyway, it's fine. <gasps> Parenting needs to be done with YouTube occasionally. It's kids' YouTube, though. Um, This movie, Getting Back to Finding You, it is really perfect for its target audience, which is not me. I am not the target audience. So I must admit I was initially... I wasn't looking forward to this film. I was even rolling my eyes in the first 15 minutes because everything was so, like... I don't know, it was just cliche, you know, she's walking up to the conservatory and there's a scene of her, like, looking at the frontage and, like, taking a big, big deep breath as she looks up at it, you know, all those kind of cliche things. But once I put myself in the shoes of my 14-year-old former self, I really did quite enjoy it. It really is kind of perfect for the target audience. Uh, this film also stars Sersha Monica Jackson from Dairy Girls and Vanessa Redgrave from like, you know, every film, a million films. <laughs> every film. That's right. Um, and I'm going to give this three and a half Celtic crosses. Oh. Yeah, there's a couple of interweaving stories there, but mainly it's the love story. I think it would have made a really good young adult book. I can see why they've put it into a into a film. So they've done well. Oh, this one kind of slipped under the radar. I hadn't heard about this one. So mm. I suppose a lot of films are doing that nowadays because we're not getting, they're not kind of, we're not seeing them lots and, you know, they're not being advertised on the big yeah. screen. So. I, don't, I don't see any of ad- the advertising. Anything I get is kind of like through the email. That's how I find yeah. out about stuff. But a lot of stuff, like I was talking to my boss the other day and she's like, oh, have you watched the Marvel um, you know, what's coming up in the next year. And I'm like, no, I haven't. So I sat and watched that. I'm sure Lewis talked about it the other day. Or I don't know. But all of the films that are yet to come mm. out this year and next year and um, 
Yeah, he's I, across that. that, he, that he's, we know well, that. So this is what I good. said to my boss. I said, I kind of leave the Marvel stuff up to Lewis. He'll tell me when things are happening and, you know, that's Go from there. I, I let him tell us that. So you saw the man in the hat. I Is did. that where you're going now yeah, or are you going to go to... Let's go to the man in the hat. Yeah, Why cool. not? The man in the hat. This one, uh, again, was just one that kind of crept up. It was one of those beautiful kind of Saturday uh, morning films that I get my coffee for and I mm. go and sit down, my little ritual that I like. So it's set in rural France and the man in the hat, uh, he doesn't actually have a name. He's just the man oh, in the hat. Fair enough. Uh, but he's played by Game of Thrones star Kieran Hines, which I didn't know until I <laughs> did a little bit of research. Yeah, but I'm not a Game of Thrones person. Nor am I. So. This, is, this is the second movie we've mentioned Game of Thrones, yet neither of us, I, uh, neither of us have seen it. Interesting. Oh, well, can't be that good. No. <laughs> Although millions of people would disagree with us. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Uh, maybe we'll both get around to it. No, but, I won't. Um, but the man in the hat, he's travelling across the country in a, uh, a mini a little mini Cooper. Yeah, nice. Uh, and he's got this framed photo of an unknown woman on the passenger's seat. So he kind of starts out, he's enjoying this meal uh, and he witnesses what seems to be something of a criminal nature. Uh, he quickly flees the scene but then discovers five men uh, in an equally small car kind of follow him around and show up everywhere he goes. Uh and he keeps kind of running into other different people along the way with little individual stories happening. So it's largely a silent film. Okay. It's got very little dialogue in it and lots of kind of jaunty French music, which is fun. Uh, but you are still able to piece together the story. And in the end, not everything is as it seems, uh, which is, yeah, quite, quite a nice little touch. But, you know, I love the fact that because this was a silent film, the actors really had to use the expressions on their face mm. and all this kind of French music that was happening and these little car chases through little villages in France. And uh, it was just a stunning, stunning sceneries, beautiful landscapes, a really fun story that I think a lot of people will love and one of the filmmakers uh, I can't remember the quote verbatim but he was saying in an interview that you know this is one that you don't have to necessarily be um, you know engaged with but you can just sit back and enjoy it it's an mm. hour and a half uh, of your time you're not going to gain anything but it's just a really fun yeah. uh, little flick that uh, yeah it's just it had me smiling throughout that's important it is important. And, you know, so much so that I'm going to score it four and a half. Oh, jeez. Four and a half. I was going to say hats, but that's so obvious. Yeah. Uh, four and a half uh, food vans. Nice. Because they make appearances. I'm sure the, the five men must have been comical, all of them squeezed into a tiny car. Absolutely. So it sounds like it's a bit of a comedy. It, it is a comedy and, you know, it, it seems like they're angry at first, but where are they going? Why are they following him? You know, were they up to something naughty? Were they not? Who knows? And <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of unravels and that's the beauty of it is that, you know, not everything is as it seems mm. uh, in this film. So, yeah, quite a, quite a delightful uh, flick that if you just want something fun to watch, a silent film uh, with, with some wonderful music in it, it's, it's really great. Good if you if you want to watch something and you don't mind a little bit of subtitles, but not too much. Yeah, exactly. Easy way in. Easy way in.
yeah. For sure. Um, so another film which is out today, oh, sorry, it was actually out last week. Was it out last week or this week? Anyway, it's out. <laughs> um, it's a movie called Fatal. So um, it is about a femme fatale, <laughs> obviously. Um, so Hilary Swank plays... Uh, if you've watched Wayne's World, Psycho Hose Beast slash police detective Val Quinlan. Michael Early uh, plays Derek Tyler, uh, the successful sports agent who makes the mistake of getting involved with her. So they're the two main characters. And Derek is very successful with his business. He's got a partner um, and... They're recruiting a lot of the LA basketball players. They, they've grown their their small, um, you know, managing sports agency into this big kind of very big thing, um, so much so that they're looking to get bought out at some point. But Derek's really not interested in being bought out. It's his own company. Um, it's a black-owned company with a lot of um, black employees and he just doesn't want to be bought out by some big company mm. and become just an, another nobody. So he really doesn't want to sell it, but his partner really is pushing for it, saying, you know, this offer's not going to be on the table all the time. But anyway, his, so his business is doing really well, um, but his marriage is struggling. There doesn't seem to be much chemistry going on between him and his wife. Um, but anyway, he heads to Vegas with his, with his partner slash mate uh, for a friend's bucks night. And he meets, this is where he meets Val. So she's dancing and sidles up to him at the, at the bar and, you know, they get chatting. Anyway, one thing leads to another and they end up having a one night stand. Um, the morning after is a little bit odd because she hides his phone in or puts his phone in the, um, you know, the hotel safe. So, oh, yeah. and she's like, I won't give you the password until, you know, I get a little bit more of you. Oh. So he's like, I've got a flight to get to. So it's a little bit awkward. Mm. It's weird. Um, so already you think she's a bit odd. Yeah. Um, and anyway, he goes back home. He's told her a different name and that he's from Seattle, but he's actually from LA. <laughs> but anyway, so he's he goes back home and he... When he gets back home, the guilt over what, you know, this little cheating incident, he's he's decided that's it, I'm going to work harder at my marriage, um, you know, goes and cooks his wife a lovely meal and makes all of those kind of efforts and everything. Uh, but they end up um, having a violent break-in where he's basically forced to fight for his life. The guy's got a gun and, um, you know, a fight ensues blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so the detective in charge of the case, the person who walks in to take over, is, of course, Val Quinlan. Oh, of course. So from there, things go from crazy to nightmarish very quickly. Derek is left with some moral dilemmas um, that this femme fatale keeps kind of inventing for him and she keeps inserting herself into his life in quite an unnerving way and um yeah it's it's got kind of terrible reviews on imdb but then i started reading some of the reviews of the people who actually enjoyed it and i found myself agreeing with them Mm. so at first glance it's kind of like 
I don't think they've, I don't know, they don't make a whole lot of thrillers these days, do they? No, I mean, there's been a few. There was one that I reviewed, The uh, the Little Things, which was uh, earlier this year, I mm. think, and um, I found it very familiar. Yeah. The, you know, the, the premise was so something that I've seen before. Yeah. So, yeah, I think thrillers are, are hard to do because they keep pl- replaying these same kind of plots over yeah. and over. Mm. And I think we had a lot of them in the, the 90s and mm-hmm. the 80s and this particular film has got a very 90s feel about it. Um Apart from the fact that the majority of the cast is African American, mm. which I really enjoyed, it was a different spin on things, um, and I thought Hilary Swank was was cool. Um, I mean, it's not an amazing film, but I still kind of enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it to the point where I kind of I, I wanted to make sure I knew what was happening because some of the things towards the end I wasn't quite expecting, so some of it was predictable. Um, but it was still, I mean, it's good. It's a good thriller. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it three and a half basketballs. Ooh. That's actually pretty good for a thriller. So. Yeah, I didn't, I enjoyed it. I don't mind a good thriller, even if they're predictable or I a bit. Know. You know, and I mean, it's, you've got to, thrillers a thriller. So you've got to kind of turn your mind off a little bit and just. I jumped a few times ooh. actually. So it did its, it did a good job. And there was also, there was a couple of things I noticed that the director had put in there and I was like, oh, that's a really interesting choice. I like what he's done there. And um, yeah, so there was, there was some good things about it. It's a thriller. Just, Very you know, good. remove your brain and enjoy it. Yeah. Got to do that with films these mm. days. Well, do we, we want to do one more film before the sponsors or? Oh, that's such a good question. We do have time technically, don't we? Yeah. Shall we jump to another thriller then? Why not? Uh, keep, keep it going and then we can take a, take a break and come back with um, some other films that aren't thrillers. Although Sounds good. I think there are, yeah, I suppose those who wish me dead could be classed as a thriller oh, as, a, thought- as well as an action. Because I was going to move on to a spiral. Oh, okay, because I thought you were going to talk about those who wish me dead because mm. based on the trailer, I thought it was a thriller. It, yeah, you probably could action kind of thriller, okay. but sp- spiral's probably more of a horror really, isn't Is it? Is it? So, well, I assumed well, it was because it's like from the Saw series, yeah, right? Spiral from the Book of Saw. Yeah. That's where it's from. So we all know, if, if people who are listening don't know anything about Saw, I'll give everyone a bit of a quick rundown because uh, I don't know where everyone is. Carrie them. Ill's cutting off his arm or leg in a bathroom. That's it's pretty good. All I know. It, it's a slasher franchise which was created by James Wan and Lee Winnell uh, in the early 2000. And the first film was quite a huge hit. That was the one that involved the two guys uh, locked away and there's a lot of uh, leg chopping and, and such. So, uh, and rather than outright killing his... Uh, although we've had eight films since. So this oh, my is the God. ninth in the instalment. So uh, the films revolve mainly around this serial killer called uh, Jigsaw or his real name, John Kramer. Uh, but he actually dies in the third film and the rest of the films have focused on apprentices of his. So and rather than killing people, uh, he traps them and puts them in a situation he calls games or tests. Want to play a game is the, the tagline. I do remember seeing the second one and the only thing I can really remember is some kind of a box thing that went on somebody's head. 
Yeah, he has these weird entrapments and devices and torture things that he puts people through. And it's, you know, physical as well as psychological uh, torture. And I feel... My, my son's got headphones good, on. He cannot say, hear anything should, that we're saying. Um, it's it's like Family Feud, you know, where they get one person to put the headphones on. So no one else... Okay, good, uh-huh. good. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, Spiral from the Book of Saw is the ninth instalment in the film series. But it actually stars Chris Rock, oh, in, yeah. which I think is probably his first horror film uh, that I can think of. Um, He could be in others. I'm not 100% sure. I forgot to check that. But he plays Zeke, a detective, uh, and the son of a well-regarded police veteran played by Samuel L. Jackson. And he and his rookie partner, Will, uh, played by Max Minghella, lead an investigation into a serial killer targeting police officers that they believe could potentially be a jigsaw copycat so that is the premise to the film and look the previous films have been largely criticized for being uh, torture porn and you know i would say that that's largely accurate they are very uh torturous and and quite violent and and disturbing and i would say that this film is probably the least gruesome of them all oh okay so the the torture's really dialed down but there is a bit of a formula to these films. I've, I'm not, a, I'm not proud to say I've seen them all, but uh, <laughs> there is a, a formula. So it does make them somewhat pre- predictable, and also this film is slightly predictable because of that. So if you're like me, I was able to guess who the killer was mid-film, yeah, and kind of got to the end, and I was like, "Yep, knew it." Uh, but look, I didn't hate the film. I actually really enjoyed Chris Rock in this film. And even though it's a horror, he was still able to uh, be funny and make me laugh in bits of this. So, look, it yeah, it's it's kind of strays quite away from you know Jigsaw and that whole torture side. There's a bit more of a story here, yeah. but there's also parts of the film that weren't explained or it didn't lead back into anything. There were kind of dead ends to it. So, I mean. Was this a film that they needed to make? No, absolutely not. But are Saw fans going to get a kick out of it? It's a good question because I wonder if they might be disappointed at the lack of uh, torture in this compared mm. to previous films. Not something that you think you need to say, is it? No. I but, was disappointed you know, I, with the lack of torture yeah, in this film. I mean, personally, I, I didn't mind because the few torture scenes that they were, they were quite horrific. And I yeah, actually found it's myself... It's not a film for me. Yeah. I, I don't like any of that oh, stuff. it's horrible. I was sitting there and I was going, you know what? I don't like these things anymore. I no. used to. And I was like, you know what? That's too much for me. I don't need to see that. I used to like horrors in mm. my 20s or my early 20s more so, but I just can't watch them anymore. Like, what was that one wrong turn? Oh, yeah, with the... Uh, that had some really creepy stuff in it. That was full on. Yeah. Becky, I loved. Yeah. Was Be- it Becky? Becky, yeah, Becky with the young girl and it had, um, oh, what's his name, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Yes, I really liked that. Um, but, yeah, not into that other kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it... it Chris Rock was in the last season of Fargo, which uh, was out last year. So there's four seasons of that TV show, which I still haven't watched, <laughs> even though I know I will like it. Yeah, I haven't got around to that either. Oh, yeah, one day, one, one day. day. Okay, so Chris Rock is—he's got the—he's got some acting chops. So you know, mm. um, yeah. So interesting to see him in this film. But yeah, look, I think people are going to go watch this because they're going to—if they're fans. So you know, regardless. Um, mm. But. I 
I'm going to score this a two, uh, two tubs of hot wax. Well, that doesn't sound fun. Doesn't sound fun. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Here even when he's not here. Oh, Lewis. We can't escape him. No, just kidding. <laughs> Lewis. Lewis. Um, we've, on the weekend, done uh, some pre-records, or not pre-records, uh, some episodes of Tangent City, and one went out on Sunday. I don't know if you've had a chance to re-listen to that. I know I'm not supposed to find my own podcast funny, but I was laughing so hard. It, it went up on Sunday and I was laughing at so many of the things we were saying. Not always laughing at myself, but other stuff. You were particularly funny on Do that you know show. what I think it is? It's just... Um, oh. Delirium because it was late. Late, but also it felt nice because... So often we'll record on a Sunday. Yeah. And Sunday leads into Monday and yeah. Monday means it's the start of the working week. So yeah. sometimes you're a little bit nah. But Friday it was like kind of good because, you know, it was about to start the weekend. We yeah. had a glass of wine. Well, I had a glass of wine. You didn't have a glass of wine. No. Uh, so I just felt a little bit relaxed. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think if you, I don't know, it just kind of makes it all the more fun. I kind of liked it. Mm. I, I kind of want to do some more Friday night recordings. Good fun, good fun. They were. It was fun. We we our first. It was the episode that they cat put up. Was it the generic episode? It, or? No, it was the second one we did on um, high school movies. So it actually had a theme. It had a theme <laughs> because the first one we recorded, we just started talking random stuff, and then we were reviewing jammy dodger biscuits yeah so so that strange episode will go up in a couple of um couple of weeks time but if you are interested um do subscribe so you can get all the newest episodes give it a listen give us a, a rate that'd be nice that would be lovely Review. i know it's annoying when people say that but it counts it's and it's nice for other people to find us yeah. you know and if we're laughing at ourselves i mean gosh it must be good <laughs> <laughs> or we're just really sad, sad individuals. Exactly. Uh, we've also got Diz Down Under as well. Um, so you can find us on the gentleman of popculture.com. Um, find us on Facebook and Instagram. We occasionally put stuff on there, but not that much. But I definitely, anytime we have um, giveaways for the unscripted show, I always do put them on the Instagram and Facebook. Our last ones went so quick, too. I know. What film was that for? That was for um, Wrath of Man, wasn't it? With, um, I know. Jason I was like, Whoa, people were like really people going for that. Jason. I ran out of them and um, I'm like, oh, I've got tickets to June again instead. Would you like that? And they're like, no, it's not really it's my not Jason kind of movie. Statham. It's not Jason's. Yeah, so I, I think they were a bit disappointed. But hopefully she she keeps listening and she can um, she can get those next time. Something, something else fun. Yeah. that's a little bit more her theme uh, next time. But my last film for the night is a art on screen film called Botticelli, Florence and the Medici. I'm not too sure if you know who the Medici family is, but um, anyway, I'll, I'll give it a review. I don't, but I'm looking forward Have to you, hearing. You've not heard of the name at all? No, oh, it sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you anything about Quite it. Quite a historic family. But anyway, um, this particular art on screen is part love letter to Renaissance geni genius Sandro Botticelli and part historic look at Florence's golden age where the Medicis reigned without a crown and their enemies did their best to bring them down. So the Medicis were a very wealthy, um, well-connected family and, it, yeah, a, a lot of stuff happened. This is um, 
the 15th century. So we're looking like Botticelli was born in 1445, died in 1510. So that kind of period. And there was a a period where uh, the churches kind of took over and anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll talk through. Yeah. It was an interesting time in Florence, a very interesting time. Um, So along with the, many people would know, um, the Impressionist master Vincent van Gogh, Botticelli is one of my favourite painters. So him and and Vincent van Gogh, they have my heart. So when Chris and I were in London, um, we went to the National Gallery and we bought a print of Botticelli's Venus and Mars, which will probably see in that book somewhere. I've handed Cecilia a Botticelli book. Yeah, I'm just doing some quick uh, <laughs> quick, quick research. Um, so we, we bought that home and framed it and it's now hanging in our bedroom. But it was it would have been a gift, I believe, from memory for somebody's like to go above their mantle or ah. and it's got see Botticelli used to put in things that were specific to the family that he had commissioned the work right. so that what you're looking at is is the the venus and mars oh this one yes yeah, so that's mars right. asleep after you know coitus with um oh, with venus yeah. and she's just you know what looking upon him she's kind of in control in that but yeah there's there's i think wasps or or bees or something in the background if you go back a few pages you might see the bigger picture there it is oh this one here Mm. so that is you know the family emblem I think but anyway some of Botticelli's most famous works of course the the Venus and Mars which I've just talked about Primavera which means spring the birth of Venus which you're probably just a couple of pages away from seeing there portrait of a young man and portrait of a man holding a medallion of Cosimo de Medici so there's that name again Medici uh his paintings covered myths religion and of course portraiture he was very well known for his portraiture um and most most of his art was actually commissioned. It was very common at the time. That's kind of how artists mm. did their work. So uh, along with religious paintings that were commissioned by the Pope, he's also got um, the Medici family and other well-known Florentine families of the time commissioning his work. Um, and a, a lot of his art can be found at... Okay, talk for a second. I'm going to take, I know nothing about art, but Rachel has got a parenting duty to uh, go and do. So I'm just going to briefly mention, I'm reading through this wonderful book full of uh, beautiful uh, pieces of work by Botticelli. Uh, So it's quite uh, interesting to look at, but I'm going to quickly change. uh, I'm going to talk about something a little bit different until uh, Rachel gets back, just because she's the expert on that. But I want to talk about a film. Oh, no, she's back. I was going to quickly mention some news while you were gone because I I just don't feel like I'm equipped to talk about (laughs) this at all. I was like, yes, it's a beautiful book of pictures. I do appreciate art. I love art, but I'm not. That's okay. Um, I don't um, know a lot about it. You can see if he needs help turning on the basin. Oh, sure. There you, go. I, you can do some babysitting work while that. I'm doing uh, the rest of it. So um, most of his art can be found or a lot of it can be found at the Yafuzi Gallery in his place of birth, Florence. And it, it is one of my greatest regrets that Chris and I couldn't fit that into our visit. We went to Italy in 2015 and they're just wasn't enough time. So one day, that's the plan. 
Um, and I will definitely cry when I gaze upon the birth of Venus because that's where it is. And um, it it's the first piece of art that I can ever remember being completely transfixed by. So I was probably 12 when I saw that piece of art first and... Yeah, I, I didn't discover Vincent van Gogh until I was in my teens, but Botticelli was my first, um, my first, I guess, introduction to what art could be. So I have a real affinity for the, the, the Renaissance period itself. I know this is a film show, not an art show, so I'm sorry. So I will get on to the, the rest of the film. So the art on screen film, this particular art on screen film is, is a beautiful work at Botticelli's luminous work. Uh, sorry, a beautiful look at um, Botticelli's luminous work and the dark side of Florence, its power struggles and the bonfire of the vanities, which is an event where after the death of Lorenzo de' Medici, the church actually burnt images of, of, of beauty, so paintings and sculptures and all that sort of stuff, um, just burnt them all on, on a fire. So, and I'm, I'm sure the bonfire of the vanities is something that uh, some people may know about. So the film is showing this weekend from the 15th to the 18th at Lunar Leaderville and Essex. And it's an absolute l- must if you are a lover of, of art and history because it's, it's kind of a combination of those two things. So I am going to give it um, four... Um, um, for I can't think of the word when someone's just gazing into your soul. But Ooh. four of them, four, See? four gazing into this, like this guy here, the bottom corner one. Oh, that is portrait of a young man. Oh. It's one of my favourite ones. Interesting. Mm. Is there a do you have a rate? Does it just speak to you? This piece. The reason I ask is because I don't know. I mean. There's something there, but it's, it seems quite straightforward, it's like doesn't he's it? Looking, he's like it, it's it really like photographs when you look at them. Yeah, you can see the person is really looking at you. And I know a lot of people say, "Art, oh, the eyes follow you everywhere," but it's like he's looking into your soul. Yeah, he's just really there. So I don't know what it is about that particular piece, but I, I do love it. I I think I just love knowing what people find um because like I think art is so subjective isn't it Mm -hmm. so you can look at a piece and love it and then someone else hate it and I always wonder like why people find different pieces um really appealing and you know what they love about those particular pieces I think like modern art no thanks not for me yeah no once it goes to the impressionists I'm kind of done with the rest of art it stopped there for me (laughs) so but anyway um I yeah. like um, my particular thing about art is I like to consider the uh, times. So, for example, you know, um, in the 1300s when the bubonic plague was rife, mm. like looking at the particular art at that time and, and, you know, what was the common themes and things like that. So I like to, yeah, look at different time frames and, you know, the historical turning points of those moments mm. and, and what was the driving factors. And this is why I love the Art on Screen series. This one in particular because it talks about the Medici family and mm-hmm. the, the way the church took over uh, Florence after Lorenzo de Medici died. Um, just a really very interesting time in Florence in particular. But I, I do remember one I saw last year and they looked at something like, I think it was from memory death in 
art. So ah. you saw lots of different things yeah. with that theme. I love that thing. I, I, I hope they do more of those things where you look at, um, you know, one particular theme and you see how it's reflected over, you know, the centuries. Yeah, that, that's so, really interesting. But there's, I, there's, if you are an art lover, there's lots of art on, sc- on screen happening at Luna over the coming year. I mean, there oh, always is. I but love Luna. I will bang on about it because no. I love it. Art and screen, they have, you know, the National Theatre Live where you mm. can go and see these wonderful performances that you might not ever get the chance to see because, you know, you're not in London or, yeah. you know, wherever. But, yeah, it's just amazing the stuff that they, they show us. And, yeah, it's, it's just a great little hub. And, I mean, if that kind of thing is not your thing, you could always go to um, a Monday Double. They've oh, got a Jake Gyllenhaal yes. one... Um, on Monday coming to, what is it, the 17th or something? Uh, yes, that sounds right. Yeah, so yeah. it's Donnie Darko, which every, I, I think unless you've been living under a rock, you know what that is, and Nightcrawler, which did you see that with me? I did. It was um, so phenomenal. Creepy. It was, and, and it's interesting. They're showing the, the two films where he's at his creepiest. I know. So. He's particularly creepy in Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. So if, if you've not seen that, he plays a, um, not a photographer, a... Like he's got a camera for the news, but yeah. he, yeah. So he's filming all of the horrific things to sell to the news, and he gets a little bit too into it. Just a little bit. I think bit. that's the best way of describing it. But the Monday doubles are great. They're like fifteen dollars or something like that. I can't remember exactly how much they are, but they um they're cheap. Starts at six thirty, and you've got two movies. I mean, it's a it's a that's good way a, to spend a, a Monday night, and to be able to see some of those old films on the big screen is always fun. Oh. But um, they've also got In Conversations uh, coming up this weekend, Saturday the 15th. Um, First Cow, which I know, I've been banging on about it for weeks, but um, if you would like to be in that In Conversations, it's at 3.40 and it's got the actor um, Orion or Orion Lee. Still not sure how to pronounce that. Um, But, yeah, so I think that would be a really interesting thing to be at, whether he's from Zoom or whether he's in person. I have no idea. But First Cow is just a fantastic film. So, um, and I think the German Film Festival is coming up soon. So there's there's heaps of stuff happening at Luna, as always. Always. So, but we do still have one more film to review, and that's Angelina Jolie's new film, um, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Those which I know nothing about. Yeah, look, it's actually based on a book, uh, which is is interesting because it, when I was watching it, I was like, I wonder if this is a book based on the title of the film because mm. it sounds very poetic. The it does. Wish me dead. Whereas I was like, it doesn't quite fit the film, if oh. that makes sense. Yep. But look, you know, Angelina Jolie, she plays Hannah. She's a firefighter uh, who is dealing with uh, some some demons, you, you could say. She's having a bit of a tough time. But uh, And this was following a huge bushfire in Montana, which, you know, would leave anybody feeling a bit burnt out and exhausted and, mm. you know, um, not, not quite themselves. So she's in this watchtower and she's on shift and she's got to spend quite a bit of time there uh, making sure that no fires are kind of sparking up. It's storm season, so often the lightning's going to hit the fields and it's mm. all go from there. But she encounters a young boy named Connor who is on the run in the forest. He's uh, running from two men who uh, were after his father for some reasons that are explained uh, early on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he managed to escape 
uh, but these two hitmen are on the loose and are after him. One of them is played by Nicholas Holt, who oh. does an American accent in this film. And I had to kind can't of, imagine him as a hitman. Yeah, it was interesting. I had to do a bit of a double take because he had an American accent and he did look a little bit different to what he usually very grown up is is probably the word I would use to say. So you know, not often he looks quite childlike, yeah. um, particularly, but he had a bit of a grizzly beardy thing going really? on. Well, not quite a huge one, but enough for me to have to do a double take and go, is that Nicholas Holt? So there you go. But uh, Hannah is trying to bring this young boy into town so that she can take him to the police office uh, or the police station, sorry, and uh, the hitmen are still kind of out on the loose. And in order to kind of trap them, they decide to set a fire uh, to keep the the young boy contained and hopefully, you know, trap him and get rid of him essentially because he knows some information that he Mm. shouldn't know. How old is he? Uh, He's about 10. Oh, okay, yeah. And unfortunately, his dad uncovered some secrets and, uh, yeah, his son kind of is carrying those secrets with him. So they want to get rid of him. Uh, And they're very ruthless. Like, they don't care. So they've started this fire and they're like, that's cool. You know, we're going to get you. But they're unaware at this point that he's with this lady, Hannah, who is, of course, a well-trained firefighter who, uh, you know, knows a two a thing about uh, dealing a with a, thing, a, thing, a or two. thing or two about these situations. So that's the film. Uh, it's an interesting premise, though. I haven't really seen a film before where you've got Hitman uh, and a large bushfire. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's quite a quite an interesting one. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a fantastic film by any means but yeah it's a bit of a fun ride and I did I did think it was better than what I initially thought it was going to Mm. be and I did find myself quite interested in how it was going to play out so uh yeah might be a good one to see on screen I don't think I've seen oh sorry I should let you score it I'm going to score this film 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 three three lightning strikes okay that makes sense. So the last thing I saw um, Angelina Jolie in was that um, weird. Were they in Spain or ah oh, the tourist? Was it? Is that what it, the one no, with Johnny Depp? Oh, no. no. Oh, I know the one with Brad Pitt. No, not Brad Pitt. Um, wasn't it with Brad Pitt? No, it I'm was tr- Brad Pitt because wasn't it? it was right at the end of their marriage. Yes, you're correct. It was, but it just I'm felt trying like- to figure out what it was called. I'm I'm currently on and I by the sea by the sea. Correct. Far out. That was a really long time ago. Oh, it doesn't feel... It felt like a couple of years ago. I know, but, I yeah, with Brad Pitt and um, they were looking at a, a very happy couple in the mm-hmm. next room. I don't know what it was about that film, but it was just like pulling teeth. It was sad too. It was just really it, like... It was really bleak. sad. But it was... Um, and boring. It was really, <laughs> really boring. boring. <laughs> yep, yep. I think it's the only film... They've done together since um, they got together and did that. Mrs. Mrs. Mister and Mrs. Smith, where they got it on. You know, (laughs) much to Jennifer Aniston's. You know, (laughs) she wasn't happy about that. It's funny that it started out as Mister and Mrs. Smith, which was a fun film, and then ends with By the Sea, which was just (laughs) at the end of their marriage, where things are terrible in real life and in the movie. Oh dear, that's Um, funny. Oh yeah. 
Great. Uh, what a great selection of films, though, for, for... Yeah. But it was quite sad. I did go to the cinema last night to see Spiral and uh, I did pull into the car park and it was so quiet there. I almost thought that I was at the wrong place mm. and didn't think that maybe I had the wrong night. Yeah. Uh, just there was not a lot of people there. And unfortunately, a lot of the little cafes and restaurants within that complex mm. were closed and um yeah so it's it's quite i don't know if it's a permanent thing or if it's just um was it that was that carousel that was in a loo oh mm. so yeah um i think i don't know whether people are just not feeling like they want to go into an area with that many people that's just yet because we have had a few yeah a, yeah a lockdown that's just recently finished and i think it is confronting to go to a cinema if you think there's going to be a lot of people there. So yep. I get that. Um, but, I mean, you can wear a mask. You can sit quite far away from each other if it's a mood that doesn't have too many people in it. I mean, look, but, I, um, if I go back yeah. to the, a couple of weeks ago with Mortal Kombat, that was huge. Like we walked in and literally I had to squeeze myself into a seat that there was that many people there. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I think it might just depend on the film. Probably. Things like that. But, yeah, it's just sad to think that, you know, it could potentially be the demise of... Oh, my um, God. The big screen because no. I think, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people and they think that just watching stuff at home is good enough. But uh, um, Yeah, I get that from a lot of people as well. But so I think it's just us hardcore, like, people who love being at the cinema yeah. that are going to keep them going. And I know the Arclight in, in, in LA is closing, um, which is a really famous, well-known um, cinema. So whether it's going to be bought out by somebody else or what, but just didn't survive COVID, and, um, which you can completely understand. I mean, in America, the pe- people, mm-hmm. if they were doing the right thing, um, weren't going out at all, certainly yeah. not to a cinema. So, uh, I mean, I certainly couldn't imagine going to a cinema and, you know, if it yeah. was myself in that situation. So, yeah. Um, but if you can, I know it's expensive, <laughs> but if you can, go and support the cinemas. That's yeah. good. Because there is something very special about sitting in that dark room with a bunch of strangers. Ah, oh, it is. And I would hate to get to, you know, a certain age and have my children and go, you know, once upon a time we used to go and watch films together with other people in a big cinema and... Uh, no, look, I think they'll hold on. I mean... I you, think if, they will. If you look at places like Luna who are just doing all these really creative things like the Monday Doubles, I yeah. think you've just got to get creative, you know? Yeah. Get creative. So, yeah. And that, they've done that and, you know, I don't know how well they're doing on the business front but it always seems to be pretty busy there so um get creative Mm. um so next week um lewis is again not going to be here and you're not going to be here because you've got priscilla i'm going to see priscilla Mm. and i booked it at a time where i I thought um there might be two people here but no i didn't realize lewis had a um film thing you weren't gonna you just didn't how could you know you never know but that's okay because we have super prepared and we actually have a show for you all that we're gonna put up for people to listen to that's amazeballs that is amazing i can't even remember what was the show we even did i don't even know so we did a pre-record a little while ago an emergency uh, emergency 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 show um for situations like this really yeah because i mean i've I've done the show by myself recently and it was a couple of times haven't you work yeah 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 um it was really difficult. <laughs> so it's very odd to talk to yourself um, and not have anyone to bounce off. You kind of feel like mm-hmm. um, 
a bit odd. Yeah. So we did do a pre-record and we're hoping that um, we'll be able to get that all locked and loaded and that's what you will be listening to. And if you've not ever listened to Tangent City, this is like a little bit of a taste, a clean version because on <laughs> Tangent City we do swear sometimes and talk about some things that are not clean. Um, but this is like a cleanish version of um, Tangent City. So if you've never listened to it before, it's a little bit of a taste. Yeah, and you might so, love it and then you might just want more and yeah. you can get more. And we've got of tons, of, tons of episodes. Absolutely. I actually don't know how many. There's quite a few Over there. 50. Over, over 50. We've got more than 50 episodes. But um, yeah, gentlemenofpopculture.com uh, is the place where it's all out it's all yep. there you know yep. everything you could possibly think of so mm. um yeah i'm interested i can't um, i'm gonna put that together and do a little intro and make yeah. sure it's all ready for next week and i'm gonna uh re-listen to it and try and remember what we actually <laughs> talked about but I, I know we had a theme and we we, we did we have did. a theme so just don't remember what it was yeah but um anyway you'll find out next you'll week you'll find out along so, with us sorry. Uh, the way it should be. Yes. Um, if you are listening live on Radio Fremantle, stay tuned for Quizzy. Yeah. Other than that, we uh, will be back the week after talking about more. There's heaps more coming out. So, um, yeah, I'm going to see a weird looking film called Lapsus at, mm. uh, at the cinema and it looks really strange but kind of up my alley. So I'll talk about that and then, yeah, there's other stuff coming out. I have well. no idea what I have planned. Anyway. Anyway. And we spoke about we that. We did. And <laughs> did we ever figure out what it was at the end of? We didn't. Let, oh, um, for listeners, we, we did an episode of Tangent City uh, and we kept saying, anyway, because it's from something and we all can't quite figure out. We yeah. Think it's like at the, the end of a TV show, you know, like sit, ubu, sit. Yeah. Or whatever. You know, it, it's at the anyway. end. Anyway. <gasps> Ellen? Oh, it's Ellen. I think it is. And she like crosses her yeah, leg. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, I yes. think right. Yay! So we figured it out. Well done. Well done, us. It just took us a week, but oh, we got there. We got there. Well, we'll leave that on a high note then, <laughs> I hey? I think so. And we'll I be back so. uh, soon. Real soon. Bye. Anyway. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture. <laughs>